Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay, let's pray. Father, there's trouble everywhere. There's help in you. And Lord, this morning we're here to receive the help from God that we so much need. Help us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 30, verse 25. Genesis 30, Verse 25, and it came to pass when Rachel had borne Joseph that Jacob said unto Laban, send me away that I may go into mine own place and to my country. Give me my wives and my children for whom I have served thee and let me go. For thou knowest my service which I have done thee. And Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I have found favor in thine eyes, tarry, for I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. Now, in our last study, we saw that something has happened to Jacob with the birth of Joseph here. Something has happened. We don't know. We don't know what it was exactly, but there was something about the birth of Joseph that triggered this homesickness for Jacob. Maybe it was just that Jacob started to think of, you know, the last words that Isaac, his father, had said to him We're in Genesis 28, in verses 1 and 2, it says, Isaac called Jacob and blessed him and charged him and said unto him, Thou shalt not take a wife of the daughters of Canaan. Arise, go to Padanaram, to the house of thy mother's father, and take thee a wife from thence of the daughters of Laban, thy mother's brother. So maybe Jacob just started thinking to himself, you know, dad told me, don't take a Canaanite for a wife. Go to Laban, take a wife from one of his daughters. I came, I got that wife and Rachel. That's what I was told to do. My obligation for the 14 years is done now. Rachel's had her first child. And I came thinking that, you know, this might be my new home, you know, but I found out the hard way that this land is not my home. This is not my place. I've been so mistreated in this land that I found out this land's not my land. You know, to use Jacob's words, he says, this place is not my place. I want to go to mine own place. And he said, this country's not my country. I want to go to my country. So Jacob's heart and Jacob's words, just they're so prominent here that when we read them, we just find an echo in our own heart. Because there was a time when we looked at the world and we thought, you know, maybe, maybe this world's not as bad as it's made out to be. Maybe it could become my world. You know, and we look at the place, and, and in our secret heart, we thought, you know, maybe this, this place not so bad. Maybe this could be my place. And, and we looked at this country, and we thought, you know, uh, 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 God shed his grace on thee, land that I love. And, you know, maybe this country, maybe this country could be my country. But the world treated us 
like Laban treated Jacob. And we realized, we came to the conclusion of what, what the Lord Jesus Christ said in John 15, in 15, John 15, verses 18 19, he says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. And if you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, but I've chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. And in John 17, 14, when he was speaking to his, his father, he said, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them because they are not of, this, of the world, even as I am not of the world. And then later on, he said in John 17, 16, they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. This emphasis over and over again, not of the world, not of the world. And so this great change that we see in verse 25, which he expressed when he said, send me away that I may go to my own place and to my country, is a great change that came to us when we realized that we're not of the world. And that's the same change in verse 25 when Jacob realized, I am not of Haran. I'm not of Haran. Why was Jacob not of Haran? Because Haran, one simple reason, Haran was under the control of Laban. See, Laban called the shots in Haran. And what happened to us when we realized we're not of the world? Why are we not of the world? Because 1 John 5.19 John 5.19 says, we know that we are of God and the whole world lieth in wickedness. So like Jacob, one day we woke up and we realized the whole world is lying in wickedness. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 speaks about in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. See, one day we woke up and we realized, you know, there's a God of this world. And you know what his work is? His work is to blind. He's a blinder. He blinds minds. He blinds the minds of the lost. To what? To the gospel so that they can't be saved. See, in Ephesians 2.2, 2, it says, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. This world's got a course. Hmm. According to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. See, one day we woke up and we realized this world is right on course. It's following a course, and there's a captain who's setting the course, and the captain's not God. And the captain who has set the course of this world is called the prince of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And that day when we woke up and we realized we're not of this world, we're not of the world, we had our own personal verse 25 experience, and then we joined Abraham in heart, who it says about him in Hebrews 11.10, for he looked for a city which hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. See, that was a time when we said, I'm looking for my own place, my country, my city, where the Lord Jesus Christ is honored as God. And then we joined Fanny Crosby, who said, take the world, but give me Jesus. All its joys they're just a name. But his love abideth ever, 
through eternal years the same. See, Fanny Crosby said this. She was blind almost from birth, but she said, if, if I had a choice, I would still choose to remain blind, for when I die, the first face I will ever see will be the face of my blessed Savior. Okay? And so he says in verse 25, send me away that I may go into my own place, into my country. And just in case anybody here is looking for some great dying words, you ever sit there and you wonder yourself, saying, I wonder what I should say when I'm, my last words when I'm dying. You know, I don't know if this is captured in your mind, sometimes in me, but then I'm strange. And so, you know, when we come to die, just look at everyone and say the words of verse 25. Send me away that I might go to my own place and to my country. Now, What's happened here is that for 14 years, Jacob has been angry at how Laban cheated him, and especially for the last seven years when he got free labor out of Jacob. See, Jacob's anger and bitterness has been just simmering, and at the end of these 14 years, it's now boiled over, and he's dreamed of this day. He's dreamed of the day when he'll be able to walk up to Laban and say, I quit, and you can't stop me. You know? <laughs> and we can understand <laughs> why Jacob was angry. We can understand that. But bitterness is a terrible disease because bitterness is a destructive cancer. Cancer destroys the body. Bitterness destroys the soul. Unless bitterness had stopped, it will destroy the soul. And for 14 years, Jacob's soul has been slowly eaten away and destroyed by his bitterness at Laban. Was Jacob bitter at Laban? Yes. <laughs> Was Jacob wronged by Laban? Yes. Did Jacob have a basis to be bitter at Laban? Yes. Well, but when you think of what Laban did to Jacob, I mean, you think about that. What, Lab what Laban did to Jacob, where do you stand? Where do you stand this morning? Is your position, you know, Jacob, you know, when you think about Jacob, Laban really wronged Jacob. He stole years of Jacob's life. Jacob had every right to be angry with Laban. You know, is your position, are you thinking to yourself, you know, Jacob, he should have spent in those 14 years praying for some rock in the desert to fall on Laban, and under that rock, Laban would slowly have this death under, in the desert because of what he did to Jacob. Yeah. Or, or, or is your position, oh, well, look, you know, life is too short to be bitter. Just forget it. Move on. Put in the, just put in the time working for Laban. It'll go fast enough. Don't think about what Laban did. Just put the time in. Move on with life. See, where do you stand? See? Jacob, what he did is he accepted bitterness against Laban, you know, like praying for that rock to fall in the desert. See? But there were really two other options for Jacob. Jacob could have ignored the bitterness and say, I won't let it get to me. I'll just, do, I'll just do my job, keep my mouth shut, look forward to the day when I can walk out of here. Or Jacob could have forgiven Laban, which is what the Lord said to do. And this is only possible with the help of God, by prayer, by just, and, and it's only possible as we see how much God has forgiven us. You know, in the next service, we're gonna have a communion service. If that communion service is gonna have an effect on us, we're gonna see how much God forgave us. And that communion service is a therapy for, for, for bitterness. 
It's a therapy for forgiveness. Cancer is powerful, and to accept cancer is to fall to the power of cancer. To ignore cancer is to deny and fall to the power of cancer. But to face cancer and fight is the only chance of overcoming cancer. I know from my own cancer, it wasn't easy to go through that maximum dose of radiation on the spine, followed by six months of chemotherapy. Put it to you, I can't think of anything better than the words of Ed Landry who said, before you start chemotherapy, you're worried you're gonna die. After you start chemotherapy, you're worried you're not gonna die. (laughs) But you do it because you respect the power of cancer and you know that you have to face it and fight for a chance to survive. Bitterness is like, uh, is powerful. It's like cancer. To accept bitterness is just to fall to the power of bitterness and know it. To ignore bitterness is to deny, and it's to fall to the power of bitterness and not know it. But to forgive is to stop the power of bitterness, which is why the Lord Jesus Christ taught us to, to remove the greatest hindrance to prayer by praying for strength to forgive That's what he said in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6, 9, when he said, After this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from all evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory forever. Amen. See, if we forgive, for if ye forgive, he went on to say, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But for if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. See, the most important words, the most important four words in the Lord's Prayer are these, forgive as we forgive. Forgive as we forgive. Prayer gets us nowhere without forgiveness from God. We go nowhere without forgiveness from God. We are not forgiven by God unless we forgive others. And so when the Lord said, forgive as we forgive, He was teaching us to say to God, Lord, look at me right now. Look at me. Look at me. And please do the same thing that I'm doing right now. I need forgiveness from you. And so I'm going to take this person who has offended me. He's offended me the most. And and, and watch me, Lord. Just watch me as I wholly forgive him. Now I want you to do the same thing to me. I I want you to do the same thing as I forgive the person who's a friend of me. See, people say this. They say, you need to forgive. You know why? Because bitterness is destroying you. I mean, and, and while that's true, that's not the most important reason to forgive. The most important question about forgiveness is not, do I want to be destroyed by bitterness? That's not it. The most important question about forgiveness is, do I want to be forgiven by God? That's the most important question. The most important issue for forgiveness is not how much bitterness is robbing me of strength and joy and peace and imprisoning me. And that's, that's secondary. But the most important issue with not forgiving others is that God will not forgive us. Bitterness blocks our forgiveness from God. 
Bitterness blocks our relationship with God. Bitterness robs us of life from God. And Jacob's been bitter at Laban for every one of those 5,110 days that made up those 14 years. 5,110 days, Jacob has been eaten away by the cancer of bitterness. 5,110 days, Jacob has been blocked from a relationship with God. Five, Jacob has wasted 5,110 days of his life because bitterness has blocked him from God. And secondarily, he has lost 5,110 days of strength and peace and joy, all because Jacob has not forgiven Laban. See, instead of forgiving Laban, Jacob has for 5,110 days looked forward to the day when he can, he can tell Laban off. Okay? And in this verse 26, that day has come. Here it is. It's finally here. And he gets right in Laban's face and to do, as Jacob says in verse 26, give me my wives and my children for whom I have served thee and let me go. Now, apart from Jacob finally being able to say to Laban, I quit, which is what he did. When we look at verse 26, it's actually very sad because it's so sad to see this poor man, Jacob, having to ask his employer for his wives and his children. I hope I'm not like that. (laughs) In fact, in fact, the truth is that Jacob asked Laban, he's asking Laban for his wives and his children. You know why he's doing that? Because he's actually thinking Laban, if Laban could have it his way, Laban would take Jacob's wives and children and send Jacob away empty with no wives, no children, no possessions. That's what's in Jacob's mind. Jacob feels that after 14 years of hard labor, that Laban would like to send Jacob away the same way that Jacob was 14 years earlier when he walked in to Laban's house with nothing. Where did this feeling come from? I mean, what's the matter with Jacob? Why is he thinking this way? I mean, where did Jacob ever get the idea that Laban saw Jacob's wives and children as Laban's property? Where did Jacob come up with this? I mean, how how did Jacob come to this conclusion that Laban would like to send Jacob away as he came with nothing, no wives, no children? I mean, what reason did Jacob have to feel that Laban would do this to Jacob? I mean, there must have been some words, maybe some words that Laban said that indicated to Jacob, you know what? He wants to send me away without my wives and my children. He wants to send me away empty. I mean, maybe there was something that Jacob said around the dinner table one night that just alerted Jacob, like, what? What did he say? Whoa. I, I, I think he wants to send me away. I think he wants to take my wives and children. I think he sees them as his property. Jacob was 100% correct in his suspicion. That's exactly how Laban viewed Jacob's wives and children, as his property. And in the next chapter, Laban is going to come right out when provoked and say it. He's going to say what Jacob has been suspicious of, that Jacob's wives and his children are Laban's property in Genesis 31, 43. And Laban answered and said unto Jacob, these daughters are my daughters. And these children are my children, Genesis 31, 43. So Jacob knows that Laban sees everything that Jacob has, his wives, his children, as belonging to Laban. He sees them as that Laban's position. That's why in verse 26, 
Jacob says, give me my wives and my children. See, Jacob knows Laban will not easily give Jacob his wives and his children. So then Jacob then brings arguments to Laban in verse 26. Uh, he says, for whom I have served thee. Give me my wives and my children. I serve thee for them. And again, for thou knowest my service that I have done thee. See, he's trying to remind Laban of the deal. Now, this is unbelievable that Laban would see everything that Jacob has, including his wives and his children, as belonging to Laban. And Jacob is greatly disadvantaged in this situation. He's, he's disadvantaged in this deal. Have you ever been in a situation like that? <laughs> yeah, Tim laughs. He's been there a lot of times, right? So you ever been in a situation where you felt absolutely helpless under a tyrant? Yeah, that's Jacob's situation here. I mean, Jacob looked around and he says, is there no one to stop this man? Is there no one to see how wrong this is and to stop Laban? I mean, he looks around and he says, J Jacob looks around and says, where's my help? Where's my help? Does, does anyone who can help care about what Laban is doing to me? Does anyone who can help see what Laban is doing to me? Now, it's that last question. Does anyone who can help see what Laban is doing to me that God steps in in the next chapter and he answers it? And God says in Genesis 31, 12, I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. That was a great assurance for Jacob in Genesis 31, 12 when God said, I'm, I've, seen, I've seen it all. When you were out there saying, does anybody see? God said, yes, I see. Jacob says, does anyone who can help see what Laban is doing to me? God replies in Genesis 31, 12, I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. And, and that verse, it just removes the terror and the fear in our lives of what others may do to us. That's why I don't like to watch most movies because movies are a depiction of reality. And most movies are not built on Genesis 31, 12. I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. And the farther that a culture roams away from God, the more the movies of that culture will get away from Genesis 31, 12. I have seen that all that Laban doeth unto thee. In 1966, when I was 15 years old, I went to Europe, and I, and I went to go to school in, in Switzerland. Great honor. My parents couldn't stand me any longer. Anyway, and all I'd ever seen were American movies. I watched a lot of you know, stuff on television, movies, and I was just used to the typical American movie, you know, in the end, the bad guys lose, the good guys win, you know, happily ever after type American movies. Because America had not drifted that far from God, and American movies still had the concept of Genesis 31, 12, I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. But when I got to Europe... And I started to watch French movies because it was French part of Switzerland. So we, all our movies came from France. I was shocked because in the end, the bad guys won <laughs> and the good guys lost. Or because of existentialism, because it wasn't that far off the heels of World War II, which was the birth of existentialism. Because of existentialism had swept across, especially France, most movies, French movies, they just stopped and they left you hanging. <laughs> you didn't know who won, you know. Looks like no meaning, nonsense. A 
another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13 and a half point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page History of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.